Welcome to The Veteran Doctor. This podcast is for anyone interested to improving their knowledge on veteran-centric topics. Veterans have dedicated their lives to serving our country, so now it's our turn to serve them as they transition back into their civilian lives. We have discovered that there is a lack of knowledge on the availability of resources and how to properly navigate the systems available to veterans when they transition out of the military service. This podcast's purpose is to help bridge this gap of knowledge and guide veterans to resources that they so deserve. The Veteran Doctor is hosted by Dr. John Heinzelman, who has a master's degree in sports and performance psychology and a doctorate in psychology where he specializes in research. He is also a retired Army Airborne Infantry veteran with 22 years of service. So sit back, relax, and enjoy The Veteran Doctor. Good morning, Danique from Leashes of Valor. Welcome to the program. My name is John from um, the Veteran Doctor. Welcome this morning. How are you doing? Excellent. Thank you so much for having me on. Thank you for uh, being on. So um, what brings you here today? Tell us about Leashes of Valor. So Leashes of Valor is a veteran-founded nonprofit that provides uh, custom-trained service dogs to post 9-11 veterans and it's um free of charge to the veteran wow so you just don't fall into this kind of career how did you go about doing that tell us about you how did you get into this <laughs> i mean that's summarizing several years into a nutshell <laughs> well we have um, some time i got out of the military in 2007 um ptsd mst none of those things are really a big topic of conversation so um I had a hard time figuring out my own mental health for many years and um, through using the GI Bill I actually met another person in college who was getting a service animal and told my husband like I think this is the medicine for you. So it was a parallel experience where I really fell in love with the academic and policy side of um, veteran service organizations in general, the veterans community and then service dogs as a treatment methodology. And at the same time, also from an end user aspect, um, my husband needing a service dog because of his traumatic brain injury and PTSD. So through that, I kind of accidentally discovered that industry and went full bore into it. Wow. Um, so you don't do this by yourself. Does your husband involved with you? And you, I think you saw on your site that you have another business partner as well. Yes. So the three of us um, met at that original service dog organization where my husband and our business partner, Jason, um, both got their service animal from. And that's actually the first organization we worked at right when I graduated. And then from there, we just grew in the industry. And because Jason and I were really uh, like basically work spouses, work partners when it came to policy, like just absolutely on the same page on wanting to affect the industry for other veterans. Um, so the three of us worked together through multiple service dog organizations and in the end wanted to found a grassroots peer-to-peer -peer, um, custom training program and that's how Leashes of Valor came about. The three of us stepped away from everything else and founded our own. Wow. So this is not a simple process at, at all. So uh, tell us about how you go about doing that. I mean, it's just you just don't grab a dog and link them up with a veteran or anything. You have to go through a, a selection process. You have to go through a venting process. And of course, the dogs itself, there's training. So how does that work? 
Yes. So, and especially for people looking for, for this as a resource for themselves, um, there's multiple different aspects to put into the final pairing and you can kind of compare, I compare it to match.com. So obviously you want to find out from your primary care team, if they think that's an, you know, something I think would be a good treatment methodology for you, as well as actually getting a diagnosis, because with that, you start looking for the type of organization service animal you need. So if it's more cognitive functioning or mobility um, or anxiety, these are all different training methods. So our dogs are TBI and PTSD primarily, meaning we do nightmare interruption. We do to minor mobility for people that have balance issues from TBI. And then we do specific tasks relating to PTSD triggers and anxiety. Um, so we choose dogs that are of a specific height um, that can accommodate a certain amount of body weight for the mobility aspect. And also, cause I'm not gonna give, you know, a multi-year combat veteran, a small Yorkie poo named Angel Fluff. Um, <laughs> it's just an ego thing sometimes right, that right. that's just not conducive. Let's just be honest. Right. So we, we're not super breed restrictive. However, um, fully breeds, it just brings another stigma added as an additional layer and barrier. So we steer clear of those. Um, so we select dogs that have certain size. They have to have certain temperament, meaning the behavior in public. It should be an assistive device, not a hindrance or something that causes you more anxiety. Right. And then these dogs are trained for up to 18 months. Wow. So no dog goes out under the age of 18 months in our program so that they've gotten through basically the terrible twos. Um, and so that our end user has a dog that has already gone through all of the training up to and through public access testing. So our program is what we call a residential program. The veteran comes to the farm is what we call it here in Virginia from anywhere in the country. Um, we bring them in and then they're custom trained with their animal. So the dogs already learned everything. And then I'm teaching the handler how to be responsible for that new assistive device and how to properly use it in public. So it's kind of like train as you fight. You come here, we go do all of the things with you that you would do in real life. If that's going to your kid's soccer game, if that's going to a restaurant, the gas station, Costco, farmer's market, you name it. Um, you know, and it's like sea trials. We're going doing all those things together so that when you leave here with your new service animal assistive device, um, you already troubleshot everything so you can go out in confidence with your family and you know use your tool properly right. so that's us in a long nutshell so do you find these dogs become um attached to their new um i guess you could say handler. home handler home uh, yes hugely so in a, in a 16 days do they start becoming attached to them and become a form of bond so the bond, and we help form it by the handlers attached to that dog by a leash, which we kind of uh, mimic the umbilical cord for the entire program, and then at home for another 30 days. And that's also to learn the good, the bad, and the ugly, your entire routine. Right. When you're anxious, when you're calm, um, and the bond starts here. You can see it, how the dog starts alerting on them, okay. how the dog starts interrupting nightmares, um, and how they focus away from the trainers toward the handler. So. You can notice the breakup, basically. It's phenomenal. Wow. Um, so there's always this controversy, and I'm not, I'm not trying to get on a tangent here, between service dogs and companion dogs. Can you talk about that a little bit? I'm sure it's a sub so, sort of subject with you. <laughs> well, in, in society's defense, um, everybody's 
been so using this terminology so interchangeably, it's very hard to narrow down what what is. And even in um, medical research, we're finding that it's very hard to compare uh, different publications because they use a different term. Right. So it automatically makes a null and void. So basically an emotional support animal or companion animal is any kind of animal that just gives you companionship and emotional support, meaning it does not require training. Right. It's mere existence is what's making you feel better. And they do have tremendous value. Right. Where we actually start mincing words and getting into each other's faces from the different, you know, stakeholder groups is when it comes to travel and being in public. So trying to fly with your peacock, I'm not doubting that it gives you emotional support that, you know, if that's your relationship, you do you. But let's be realistic about flying with a peacock. And okay, they're not vicious, but then when you fly with an animal, just because it gives you comfort doesn't mean it necessarily does well in a metal tube 30,000 feet in the air when the air pressure changes. Right. So these are just also public safety measures and courtesies toward other humans in society that people are discounting when they're using and bringing these untrained animals into public. So it's not really about the doubt. Exactly. It's not about the doubt that they're doing something for you. It's about their conduct and behavior in public toward others that makes them unsafe. Exactly. Yeah, the, the functional aspects to the handler as far as how they do it is, is the mental aspect for the handler and how they help that handler is, is the big question. And are they certified for the public? And there is actually no such thing as a certification. Under Department of Justice ADA, there is no certifying final agency that says, Omni Domini, you are now official. For comfort. For service animals. Service animals. Oh, okay. There's not. For any of them. I got it. Okay. Because there's always that big question to the public. Are they allowed to be in public? That's the big The question. only two questions that they're allowed to ask in public under ADA law is, is that a service animal? And what does it do for you? Right. They're, they can't and ask for paperwork? No, there is none. That'd there's... be a violation of your ADA rights. Wow. That's interesting. That's, that's always the big question because... There's always another question is, do I have to pay a deposit for my apartments and all that other stuff? And, you know, want to see well, HUD and apartments is different. So Department of Housing and HUD has a different, different laws for emotional support animals where you can even get that waived. Wow. However, just like with children, if they cause severe damage after the fact, you can still be asked to pay for damages. Exactly. Interesting. Um, so... This whole process of training the animal, training the new handler, training everything is very pricey, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> very. Um, and we are completely uh, donor funded. So wow. the, the kindness of the public and companies is really what, what keeps us going and keeps the end user from not having a cost involved in this, meaning our warriors come here free of charge, room and board, dogs, supplies, travel, it's all covered. So that the, the financial impact is, is not a hindrance for getting this kind of help. How so you, these dogs average $25,000. Each dog? Yes, does per the, dog. Does the VA help in that at all? No. Wow. So. And in their defense, it, it would be like um, buying drugs on the black market. Yeah. There's no regulation, so how are you confidently prescribing something when you can, can't control the end product that you're prescribing? So until the VA has the backing of some kind of prescription levels and quality control, it, it wouldn't be safe because there's plenty of unsafe right. organizations out there fly by night. So something has so, to be changed at the governmental level. Before. 
actually do that? Yes. So, uh, you know, and uh, there's a lot of VA prescribers that, that do recommend dogs and, and do their due diligence and try and learn more. I mean, my own prescriber has taken, you know, extra appointment time just to ask me questions to learn more. So, you know, I know a lot of people harp on the VA, but federally, they're just not set up to safely do that. And, and I really defend them on that. And right, I, I know just... there's a lot of good people that are really learning and trying to, to get a handle on this. Yeah. I did some research uh, a couple of weeks back. If you look at one of my podcasts, it talks about dogs and, uh, and veterans and how they are interlinked and how the, it's a political nightmare between funding and how that goes and how private, organiz- private organizations like yourself had to step in and fill that gap between that with all what's going on between getting this stuff funded. It's very difficult right now. Hugely, hugely difficult. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's always robbing Peter to pay Paul at this point. So even the Paws Act, which is a $10 million bill to get an, about another 400 dogs out there and finish another research study. Right. The funding's got to come from somewhere, and it's coming from somewhere else within the VA. So how do you get private funding? Do you have, like, special events? Do you have um, just donations? I know you have a donation site on your website, my donations. Um, tell us how you yeah, so we do. Yeah, so we do. We um, we do a lot of public outreach. Uh, we try and build corporate partnerships, and you know we sell merch on our our website. And it's just general donations, monthly donors. It's really the the average Joes and other veterans paying it forward with five dollars a month at a time, and it that magic works. Well, let's talk about that. So, if anyone wants to help donate to uh, Leashes of Valor, the website is www.leashesofvalor. That's L-E-A-S-H-E-S. O-F-E-A-L-O-R dot org. Leashes of Valor. And we're on all the social channels. There you go. So it's obviously to keep them going and to help veterans and to help get these dogs into those veterans' hands. Um, Obviously, you need to help donate. So tell us, is there anything else we need to know? Anything else you want to talk about? I mean, the site is amazing. I've actually gotten on there and got lost. Um, There's so (laughs) much information on there. They have everything about... Um, their whole program it's lots of many hours get put into each dog um, the training processes and what the dogs do and all the donations different kinds of donations and types of donations and even tells you how to apply for a dog now I'm sure that's a very strict inventing process as far as you just don't pair a dog up just because it has to be interviewed on the dog part and the owner part and so much information so Tell us more. Uh, I mean, I think one of the biggest hindrances we're currently seeing is just public education. And that includes um, a lot of the veterans that graduate our program are actually employed somewhere. So letters of accommodation, um, being human resource professionals and just general advocates in public for the service dog industry and public behavior, I think is a huge missing link. Um, that would really pay it forward from a mental health and awareness aspect right. if people get more more behind that. I mean, I've had people stalked and stalk my uh, veterans in stores in public because they disagreed with the type of leash they're using. And that's just a very invas- invasion of somebody's personal space and privacy um, yeah. that can be hugely regressive for their mental health. Yeah. They say that ignorance is the biggest problem with society these days is because they're not in, improperly informed and they oh, have their absolutely. personal opinion that gets involved with that um 
and everyone is entitled to their personal opinion around the United States freedom of speech. But before you push it onto anybody else, you need to be properly informed. And ignorance, I guess you can say, is the problem with that. Um, so you're right. Everyone needs to reach out and do research and get with the experts before you actually push yourself onto somebody else, especially when it comes to animals. Because we're only a small puzzle piece of the entire transitioning out of the military process. Oh, so yes. if I graduate veterans with a service animal and they can't get employed, what economic and social impact has that really achieved? Exactly. Um, so, you know, there, there's there's all these different things that are all so connected. So for us to be successful, other organizations and industries just also need to become more aware and um, just share the space responsibly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Respect each other and be responsible about it. I'll tell you what, if I had a service animal when I first was in, um, I, I was blown up quite a few times in Afghanistan and I have been diagnosed with PTSD and TBI. I wish I had the opportunity to be introduced with a service animal when I was first dealing with this before I went in to get my doctorate. Um, it would have been an amazing journey. Um, so I, w- I kind of jealous of people that got introduced to your dogs, <laughs> but, um, I've seen the work that uh, people in your industry have done for veterans, and it's amazing to see dogs work with veterans and see what they, how they enhance their lives. Um, it's amazing because I've done research um, with um, these kind of dogs, and they're amazing people. Um, I call them people because dogs to me are people. Um, <laughs> they are amazing animals. It's phenomenal to see the graduates go live their life. I think that's the biggest. Yeah, how do, how, what's, your, impact. what's your follow-up program like? Do you have some kind of follow-up um, template as far as how to see what they do afterwards or nor do they, they come to you and give you feedback? Um, I would call us a very large dysfunctional family. So we are not a you're required to pay it forward or do any kind of marketing kind of organization. So some of our veterans just go on and lead very private do their own thing lives and just circle back with us when they have questions and send us photos every once in a while behind the scenes nice and then i have other graduates who start own instagram accounts for their dogs and like just want to share the love and share the message amazing so we're in touch with all of them after they graduate um how public that is is um really up to them of course of course it's all based on individual basis yeah yeah because um everyone's entitled to their own privacy that's yeah, amazing. some of them, you know, love it and others, which I think is just as successful. It's just, unfortunately, the donor doesn't necessarily get to see that is that they're just living their life like they have full careers. One of my guys works at the Pentagon in security so, like he's he's busy. Yeah, good that you don't have time to talk to me because you're busy living your life. The dog just loves being there doing it. So I think yeah. I missed part of um, the beginning part. Um, how do you select these dogs? You said donors, um, donors for the dogs. They're actually people that will take the dogs. Do they donate them at puppies or do they donate them um, in the middle? Or do you, how do you find them and how do you vent them and how do you get these dogs? Through relationships with shelters and rescue organizations, volunteers at, at shelters that contact us when they see a dog come in that meets like the early criteria. Okay. We take owner surrenders so people whose circumstances change. Right. They ask if we want to evaluate the dog for the right temperament and everything. Okay. And then we have a really awesome relationship with an army um, veteran 
in Texas who runs an organization called Hero Labradors. He's a breeder that donates his pups to organizations oh, like ours. You just hit my heart. And, Labradors. And he <laughs> produces phenomenal potatoes is what we call them. Yeah. They're white labs and they're, they are phenomenal. Yeah. That's how I had a chocolate lab. I loved them. Um, yeah. Amazing dogs. Smart, but clumsy, but they're great dogs. <laughs> um, yes, exactly. Smart, but clumsy. And they're just amazing. So this is a great, great program. Um, how do people get a hold of you besides the website? Is that the best way to get a hold of people? Um, probably not. And it really depends on like what's your, what's your method, your preferred method. Um, social media is a really good way, especially on the on the DMs because it. Um, I help monitor the social media. So if somebody's trying to get like direct answers, um, that's obviously the, the best way to try and get a hold of us. And you can also just set up an actual, like request a phone call. If you have actual questions and you don't want to write them all out, request a phone call with one of somebody from the team. Yeah, we're I'm happy sure, to help. I'm sure there's tons of questions. I'm sure we're not going to be able to answer any of them today or all of the questions from all the stuff we're talking about. But on their website, on the top bar, every social media icon from Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, everything is on there. So if you can't get a hold of Lisa's Valor, Valor, there's something wrong. Um, they have every and hit me up on LinkedIn. I'm always available there. there um, um, there's every link, uh, every kind of contact icon there. So and everything you really need to know is on the site as well. So you heard the website earlier, www.leashesofvalor.org. If you can't get a hold of them there. You don't know how to get it, uh, navigate the internet. There's something wrong. So <laughs> what else uh, have we missed? What else would you like to put in here? What kind of plug or what, what do you want to talk about? Um, honestly, just that, you know, transition is no one size fits all. So that's, um, that's really my don't little be shy to ask for help. Exactly. Transition is a little bit of my forte. If, if no one hasn't, realize that on the show there's a huge gap in transition for veterans um the public thinks it's so easy to just get out of the military and um transition back into civilian life um but it is a huge huge thing the military um gives you a two-week course and it's a crash course and then um i think it's the, the thing is is we don't have as many support stuff available to us as we're used to and then it's not like anyone can even even imagine you think you're prepared you're not prepared and then the public um has, puts a stigma on you and then you sometimes have a stigma on yourself and there's a whole bunch of different things and then the, the, not even talking about the combat injuries that are involved or even non-combat injuries that are involved um and then it's all total adjustment and then once you try to find a job that's not there not the same there's a whole bunch of things in there and you can read my book about it um, you can talk to Dominique about it. You can talk to everything that it's just huge. And then when you have combat injury like PTSD and TBI involved, having that animal there to help get you through those trying times or challenges is huge. It's huge. So I totally agree. Um, it is not easy at all. So this concludes the interview with Danique and Leashes the Valor. Thank you so much for the interview today and all the wonderful information about training 
service dogs, and helping veterans with PTSD and TBI. move on to our next portion of our program which is called useful bits of information ubi and veteran news and this week we are not going to do that and we'll move on to our shout outs this section is reserved for recognizing new members of our podcast and partners and sponsors who support us in everything we do we cannot continue this podcast without everyone's support so thank you and this week we do not have any new members or sponsors so please listen to the next part of our program which talks about our Podcast, Patreon, and Sponsorship Program. 
Do you want to be part of something bigger? Do you want to help veterans? Have you thought about helping the veteran doctor? As you may already know, the focus of the veteran doctor is to improve your knowledge on veteran-centric topics. The research and information dissemination process can be daunting with the maintenance of literature, books, websites, blogs, podcast episodes, and other administrative necessities. This ultimately takes time, resources, and marketing to reach and support veterans, as well as their very diverse needs. We are so excited about the process of podcasting and the potential impact it can have on the veteran population. To keep going and improve this podcast, we would tremendously be grateful to anyone who can support us in our expansion and growth. We are looking to enhance this podcast quality and would find it more manageable with a bit of support. So if you think you're receiving a few dollars a month worth of entertainment, we would greatly appreciate you investing in The Veteran Doctor. We offer different rewards for different pledge obligations, so please see what may fit your budget. Once again, we appreciate your support, and from all the veterans out there who benefit from this podcast, I'm sure they appreciate your support too. Every program must establish a goal and milestones to determine what is going to be done with the funding. The first goal we're going to reach is a monthly pledge of $500 collectively. The milestones are, number one, help pay for ongoing production costs, hosting fees for websites, blogs, and podcasts. Number two, help purchase rewards for patron supporters. Number three, offset marketing costs for websites, blogs, and podcasts. And number four, help buy new equipment and technology to improve podcast sound and quality. There are different rewards for each monthly donation amounts. The donation amounts range from $1 to $50 a month. The rewards include one or more of the following items listed depending on the level of monthly donation. Some examples of rewards may consist of, number one, a thank you on the show or website. Number two, a thank you email. Number three, early access to new episodes. Number four, show swag, t-shirts, bumper stickers, lapel pins, and a pen. Number five, a patron can read a short message on the show. Number six, call in as a special guest. And number seven, a patron can determine a show topic. So if you think you're receiving a few dollars worth of uh, entertainment, come on down and support The Veteran Doctor. As veterans, we have a lot of questions when it comes to transitioning out of the military. Or are you already out of the military and having trouble reintegrating? Are you having issues finding veteran resources? Or do you just want to learn more about veterans? Well, the Veterans Resource and Transition Guide may just be the solution for your issues. This book is available on Amazon.com and is in both ebook or paperback. It is a book written to help veterans with research, knowledge, and resources with their transition back into civilian life and beyond. Our society's current problem demonstrates that many veterans, as they transition out of the military, do not have the knowledge, training, or resources to reintegrate back into society properly. They do not know where to go, what to do, and do not even have a sufficient plan to survive. The purpose of this guide is to provide a one-stop and quick reference source of research, knowledge, and resources for veterans to easily reference to give veterans a better understanding of the dynamics of veteran issues, educate veterans on the process of transitioning out of the military, 
what to do once they get out, develop a plan, and provide resources to help make life a little easier during and after that transitional experience. Additional information has been added for our survivors' benefits for surviving widows and a military 101 class to help educate the civilian workforce on military culture and lifestyle. The guide's additional intent is to make it a living document by taking input from readers and providers on information and resources, providing an annual update to veterans on the ever-changing and developing process of transitioning and resources. This guide will provide resources of knowledge to veterans, helping guide them through their transitional journey. So grab yourself a copy today and get those resources you so deserve. Do you want to learn more about me? Maybe you uh, want to learn more about my new book or future books. What about our new veteran blog? Do you want to learn more about the veteran doctor? Well, my website may be your solution. My author website is up and is available for viewing at www.johneheinzelman.com. That's J-O-H-N-E-H-E-I-N-T-Z-E-L-M-A-N.com. This site will provide you with the latest and greatest information on me, my latest literary works, future works, my veteran blog, and this podcast, Veteran Doctor. A unique feature available on the website is the Veteran Blog. The Veteran Blog provides veterans with the latest up-to-date information on veteran-specific topics that affect everyday life, whether challenging or life-enhancing. The purpose of this site is to keep veterans informed and help improve knowledge quicker and on-demand. Subscriptions are available in monthly, weekly, and unlimited access depending on the veteran's informational requirements. The feature of this site will include special features, video, classes, depending on the subscriber access level. Please check it out and try our seven-day free trial. So as this week's episode comes to a close, we hope you enjoyed the information you gained on The Veteran Doctor. Remember, we welcome feedback on this podcast to help improve our quality and content. Or if you have any new ideas, please send them to info at johneheinzelman.com. That's J-O-H-N-E-H-E-I-N-T-Z-E-L-M-A-N.com. I hope you come back and visit us on our next episode. So until next time, take care. Be safe and enjoy your week. Have a good one.